This is my own private domicile and I will not be harassed! Bitch! Gangsters, what's up guys? What's the grant to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Get the world by the tail! Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Cute as shit. Oh, 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 skip, skip, skip. If you don't chew big red, then f you. That's so horny. Could you imagine if I hit the old water pipe with that thing? Oh. Great cash, homie. Three, two, one, let's fuck! Everybody's got to hear the shit on W Balls, W Balls, W Balls. the do not listen to this podcast i am very very excited about today's episode because as you can see if you're watching on youtube that is i don't know how many i think like 11 people watch my last youtube video so i don't know if it's even that many of you but as you will hear in a couple seconds i am joined by my second guest of the don't do this conversation series natter zadan natter is a great friend of mine we have been friends since my sophomore year of college his freshman year of college so back in the fall of it's 2022 now, so back in the fall of 2017, so four and a half years ago almost, which is fucking just absurd thinking back on it. So, uh, Natter, man, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Excited to be here. Yeah, so it's funny. So when I thought about doing this back in, you know, when I was thinking about what next evolution I wanted to take with my media, and I wanted to start having people on, and so I was like, okay, I'll have people on, great. But what do I want people to talk about? And you were one of the first people that like literally one of the first people that I thought about doing this because, so I'll give you a little bit of background on Natter and Natter can obviously speak to this himself since it's his background and not mine, but Natter, so Natter, I'll just, I'll kind of just set it up for you. So we're a year apart in age. You are a year younger than, or roughly a year younger than I am. You are a child of Palestinian immigrants. You kind of are, a, you, your left, your left brain is the, is the math science one, right? I think so. Okay. Le okay. So you, you are a very left brain person. You are a son of two immigrants that came over here from a different part of the world. And now are, you know, just experiencing America as a first generation immigrant. The first time you think very differently than me in all facets of life, whether that be from kind of just a general cultural outlook and you know, political outlook, certainly, which we'll get into. But so, and I was thinking about it, but we are such, you know, but we find ways to identify with one another. Like we both nerd out over Star Wars. We both think that certain exercises stuff and we kind of suck. And we kind of, we talk about, you know, like all these other common things. But on the surface, if you took your profile and my profile, my profile, me being a Italian Czech, you know, fourth generation American that is, you know, thinks completely opposite. Like I'm a, you know, straight white male, not really much diversity going on with me you know, kind of am wired to be a decently on the right figure. I agree with a lot of things that are conservative. You agree with a lot of things that are liberal, even though we're not intolerant towards one's beliefs. So if you took our two profiles in a vacuum and set them next to one another, there is no way ever that anyone would consider us to be, have this amount of respect for each other that we do, which I find to be one of the most curious things I've ever found out in my entire life. So a blunt question that I teed up to you before we talked about this because we kind of ran down this whole thing. 
why are you and I friends? Because this should not work at all. So why, <laughs> why, why like, like this, there's no way that this works. And I have like theories about this, but I genuinely am curious about your opinion. I do not know what your answer is going to be. So what, like, why does this work? Why are we friends? And why do we have the amount of dialogue and conversational ability that you think not a lot of people who are this diametrically opposed in this way of thinking about the world in terms of a philosophy are not? Yeah, so you posed this question to me and it was a very hard question. Like I actually, mm-hmm. I started thinking about it and I thought one way and I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. So this was actually a very difficult question for me to kind of answer. But I think, so I think uh, the premise of your question is false. So you say that okay. you and I think differently about everything. Why are we friends? I actually disagree with that. I don't think we think differently about everything. I think we approach things differently. So like I asked you a few questions um, and you responded to me. From your response, they're actually very similar, although varying to a degree. And since you're not educated on certain issues, neither am I, um, we may not be able to speak as much about certain issues. But I think, I actually think that we both think in the same way And what I mean by that is when it comes to our, at least our political ideologies, we're both kind of aiming for the same thing. We want to live in a country in which people are respected, in which our government helps the people thrive and is able to be a free and allows people to be free. When it comes to that regard, I think we're both, we both think the same way. However, we differ in our approach to achieving that goal. So you take more conservative political approaches, whereas I take, I would take what would be considered more liberal approaches. In that regard, we are different. So I really think it's more that we're, we have different ideologies and different approaches to issues rather than we really think that much differently than things. Right. And so it's, you're kind of almost viewing it as like a secondary, not a primary function, but a secondary function. So it's like, we're coming from the same place, but in order to, like, we both see the yellow brick road in front of us. And it's either like, you want to go down the yellow brick road a certain way. I might want to go down another way, basically is what you're saying. Yeah, I think, okay. I think our political ideologies, the way we approach certain issues such as education tax, whatever, I think those, at least for both of us, that those are approaches to achieving the same outcome. I think the fact that we both want what's best for everyone else, I think that as well as the, our, our ability to just be able to have Um, civil dialogue. I think that's what really allows us to connect, to have these conversations, to continue to um, make each other think and to probe each other and to have us reflect. I think that's what allows us to really maintain our friendship. Yeah. And so, and I would say, you know, when I asked you this question, I sent over the sheet, um, you know, I, I framed it in a different way. And this, this, actually made me think about it. And I think this is, a, this is an interesting kind of discussion to, to approach. So I said to you, I said, okay, is what we connect on, you know, is the commonality between our two ways of thinking about the world, is it just as simple as us two are sane about talking about, like, is it sanity? 
that's the common thread that's bringing along to us. And so, which I think is a very plausible argument in a lot of cases, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of, you know, fucking crazy people out there, whether that be crazy lefties, crazy white right wing people that are just, you know, nuts and, you know, the, the QAnon shit and whatever that are like, they're, they're saying like Hillary Clinton's eating her own granddaughter in her basement, <laughs> some weird shit like that or whatever. But it's like, you know, so I thought it was as simple as saying, okay, we are not crazy and some very small fringe minority group on whatever side of the spectrum are crazy. And that could be, and the crazy people obviously get amplified in our current culture and the ones who do not do the crazy shit are kind of sent down. But from, but I think to your point, I think a, a maybe a better vantage point to look at it would be through the lens of empathy rather than the lens of sanity. And I think, you know, I've posited this to people, especially, you know, some of my more liberal and progressive friends that I view my view on the world as a conservative through the lens of empathy before I view the lens of everything else. I don't know if I've talked with you specifically about this, but I, I view everything through empathy. And I think you do too, because I think, you know, kind of in the, and I'll let you obviously respond to this, but I think um, when you kind of, when I hear you talk about things such as like, you know, and granted we're, we're 24 and 23 years old. What the fuck do we know about the world? But it's like, you know, when we, when we talk about something like either healthcare or education or, or, you know, wages or something like that, because we have those in-depth conversations. It's not that we're going at it through, okay, a person should make this much money because they are serving this function in this area or this industry. It's like, well, we believe a person has a set of dignified rights and inherent value that is comprised of those rights. So is it, I think the empathy point actually might be a stronger argument than the sanity argument, even though I do think the sanity argument does certainly have a place here, but that's actually a very interesting thing that you made me think about. So I'll let you respond to that, but I think that's a very interesting discussion to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, sanity, definitely. I guess if I define sanity as- that, That's the, actually, I was going yeah, to ask you about that. Like what is, if, what is sanity in this if, the context of this? If we define sanity as the ability to have productive civil discourse, then I think that's a huge part of it. I mm -hmm. think that at least, I don't, I don't wanna make a hasty generalization, but at least what's shown in the media, what gets the clicks and views, so what's propagated the most is that it seems that people are unable to have these civil conversations going yeah. across political ideologies. Yeah. Um, whether that's actually true to the large extent in the United States, and I guess now since we're including Canada, um, whether yeah. that's true, <laughs> whether yes. that's okay. true in the general case, I'm not sure. But mm -hmm. yeah, so if we define sanity as the ability to have productive, and that's kind of the key word here, is productive mm -hmm. civil discourse, which yeah. I think we do, then I think that plays a huge role in it. Coming back to what you were saying about empathy, I also think that's a huge part of it. And I think that stems from, again, our common goal that we, when we think about solutions or policies to various issues, we're not thinking about ourselves. We're also thinking about, well, what about this person? We're trying to imagine right. ourselves as a different person in a different situation. And that plays a huge role in how how we are able to like come up with solutions and then be able to talk about it. Because when I think about someone else's perspective, there may be something that I'm missing. And when you think about someone else's perspective, there may be something that you're missing. So that's a one, that's a reason why I think we can have these productive conversations 
And I think looking from an empathetic view and actually being able to put yourself or at least attempting to put yourself in other people's shoes when trying to think about these big issues, I think that plays a huge role in us being able to communicate well with each other since we're both kind of looking from this lens of someone else yes. and we're trying to come to a consensus or an agreement. Yeah, sure. And I think that's a, that's a very, very good point. So I actually want to dig deeper on this point. So for you, where does that empathy come from? Like, where does that nudge for you when you say, I want to theoretically put myself in someone else's shoes, someone who I may not even agree with on anything. Like when you're thinking about either something in policy or something that's going on in the world, like the, like either the, the Canada situation or whatever the hell's going on, like what are the, the, the jelly of the month club for the insanity that goes on in the world nowadays is going to be for, you know, this upcoming week or whatever. Where does that come from with you? Because I know, you know, again, a, a difference between the two of us, you are a, you practice Islam, I practice Christianity. So it's like, is it a religious thing? Is it a family thing? Like wh where did the genesis, if, and it's a big question too, but where did the genesis for that come from? Or is it a mix of things for you? For me, it's a mix of things. I mean, like, primarily, I mean, like, there's this huge thing about like nature versus nurture and that comes up in everything. Yeah. And I'm kind of right. bringing that up because there's the, I guess, like, there's the intrinsic experiences that I've had. So mm -hmm. things like things that I've experienced. And then there's my upbringing. So things that my parents have taught me, things that my mentors, teachers have taught me and mm -hmm. so on. So when it comes to what people have taught me, religion, for, at least for me, plays a huge role in that in Islam, at least from my understanding, you're taught to, you, you are taught to look and consider what other people feel. Like for example, okay. Ramadan, which is the month in which Muslims fast, one, yeah. of the, one of the primary reasons for that is so that we as Muslims for a little bit put ourselves in the shoes of what hungry people are going through. Oh, that's so and interesting. That, I didn't know that. And yeah, so the purpose of that, among other, other purposes, but the purpose mm -hmm. of fasting is so that we can understand what hungry people feel like. Right. And the fact that it's hard for us to do this for one month and yet people are doing this for years. They're hungry for, and like children, adults, whoever. It allows us to put ourselves in other people's shoes. So then when our, it comes time to fulfill our obligation to give charity, we understand like why this is mandated, that there are people that really do need this money. So yeah. religion definitely plays a huge role in it. In addition, um, I think I would say that I'm very blessed and I've had a very fortunate upbringing and I've had very good mentors and parents who have taught me the value of exploring and thinking about things from other angles. Yep. So in this situation, it comes to the other angles would be thinking from other, how, how can I get a different perspective by putting myself in someone else's shoes? Mm -hmm. In addition, when it comes to my experiences, I've, it's just been that when I've done something as a kid, maybe, I've, all, I've been selfish as a kid. I've noticed, I've seen the result of that and I didn't like the result of, of holding something for myself and then seeing my brother get angry or whatever. So it's just mm -hmm. other things that help me when I wanna do something, just at least th think about, if I wanna implement some policy, at least think about who this is gonna affect and how it would affect them. 
Sure. Because at this, because at the end of the day, this is kind of the driving point. Someone else is going to be doing the same about me, right? I expect my legislators, my representatives, to put themselves in my shoes mm-hmm. and think about how their policies will affect me. So I should definitely, when thinking about policy, do the same. Okay, that that brings up another interesting point, and I, I think I can get back to my side of that in in a while. But I think that's honestly a core of what is causing a lot of the 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 fuckery in terms of people's interaction with the government nowadays that you know they are not thinking in that mindset they're not taking the empathetic approach of putting themselves i guess i don't know if below is the right word but they're putting them in the shoes of a non-representative and not thinking about how you know in that sense they would not want that reciprocity between that and them so do you think there is an undervaluing of the empathy when you know from either our political class or whoever it might be people in power whoever that is and what where do you think it's because they are now in this position that they don't have to feel that anymore or do you think it's just something that gets lost or or i'm I'm genuinely curious i would you know be very curious to know your answer about this um i think like there's a lot of i could postulate a lot of i I was gonna say you could probably (laughs) go on 45 minutes about this but i like yeah yeah um I mean, like, I think that like people who go into people who become representative do so for various reasons. Maybe it's because they're altruistic reasons. They want to serve their community. Maybe it's because they're seeking power. I mean, who knows? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, sometimes like when when you get to, I mean, I think there's a saying like money or power corrupts. It's because a lot of times when people get to those positions, if they're not careful, it can be very very um easy to fall in the trap of oh maybe if i can get a little bit more money i can do something better and then they keep oh, going down like oh, okay. oh if i could only get i mean i don't know I was, i'm just kind of throwing things around but well, it's 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 coming at it from the angle of ambition that's what you're kind of I, yeah, never actually, so, I never actually thought about this so like if someone does come like either a politician left or right they go in for like let's just say for sake of argument they go in for altruistic reasons they go into say I want to serve my community like I, I'm I come from either I don't know if it's a it's a poor place or some place that you know half the place is addicted with opiates or whatever so they want to come in and they want to do something for the community but they're saying then they are like oh wow I'm in this position now I made it but just give me more 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 and then I can go up the ladder to fix more problems in that sense yeah so that's definitely yeah. a possibility is that i mean it just gets it's very enticing like you keep getting more more money and more power and you're like i can get more i can get and then at some point you might lose some values here it's okay to ditch this one thing that i hold treasured here it's, so i don't know like that's something it's something i have talked to my dad about um mm-hmm. uh, how the road especially in the current especially in the current political arena it's sure. kind of it looks like it's very hard to do anything with real values you kind of have to be cutthroat so um it could just be that in order for someone to get somewhere they think they might think that they have to become this poli- or the current politician you know mm-hmm. um just to be able to reach wherever they want to reach and by the time they get there they might have forgotten the whole reason they were kind of trying to get there in the first place does that scare you the the prospect I was gonna say that (laughs) shit out of me because it's you know it's it's almost like they kind of adopt like this 
this political savior complex almost when they get into that mode of like, you know, it's like the only I can fix this now mindset, which is kind of like I can, you know, it just give me a either a certain position or a certain amount of, you know, money from lobbyists or whatever it might be. And it's not even this isn't even a, a political issue, honestly. This is a this could be a business person. This could be a person in your life. This could be, you know, something else that, you know, is a relationship that starts out as someone wanting to do a good thing, but it could turn into almost a form of abuse in a sense, either an abuse of power, abuse of power actually probably applies to all of them, but abuse of, you know, fiscal responsibility of legislative responsibility of something like that. And then they, it just turns into just this monster that, you know, you, you look at it from point A and then you look at it again at point B and you're like, holy fuck, how the hell did we get here? So it's just, so that to me that, and you know, we can get more into that, you know, later I would say, but because I actually read a very, um, I've been reading a lot in terms of actually from a lot of uh, liberal progressive point of perspectives on this. And that's something that I, um, that I've been thinking about a lot recently, but I think that that's definitely, that scares the shit out of me. So I'm glad it scares us. So there's another thing we're at, we have scares the shit out of you too, which is awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's very hard to see, at least in like the current political climate or the, the arena, how like people can get to that stage like how do you make it to representative without just attack ads and yeah doing all this stuff or like just I mean I remember there was there is a political candidate that was running for something a, a year or two ago and I think my dad might have known him or something I don't know but I went to his um, and, and, and just for clarification, you're coming out of Columbus. So is this like a local Columbus area? Yeah, I think talking? this is like okay. a local Columbus. And he was running in the first and like, I thought he was going to be going on about policy and all of this. And he said, elections are about name recognition. Like if people wow. recognize your name, like the whole, he's literally, I mean, the whole point of the fundraiser was to get money so he could at, not, not spread policy not inform mm -hmm. just get his name out there it's a cloud so, chase yeah so i mean yeah. especially with today and especially with like it's the fact that people i mean it is true if people don't know who you are they won't vote for you but because of that it's become kind of this money race of if you mm -hmm. don't have enough money people aren't going to be able to you're not going to be able to reach a large enough audience yeah and so then that starts into well, how do I get enough money in my campaign? So then from there, you go down that road. And I think this is actually a very interesting thing to kind of go off on a tangent about because we have in America, it's weird because, you know, in the place from which at least the founders of this country left from mainly Great Britain and Europe, they had a government, but they also had a royal family. In America, we just have government. We don't have a royal family. But I think there is, and this might be the way in all I don't even know if it's a developed society thing or undeveloped society thing, whatever, but I think we all kind of have a, I don't know if it's a yearning for this, but we all kind of have a, a pedestal to your point for a Royal family type thing. And I think honestly, with a lot of the things going on in America, whether that's, you know, the decline of religion or the elevation of pop culture or both or something or the other, we have elevated some members of our political class to be that Royal family in a sense, in, in a sense, you know, because, you know, we kind of have, you know, there's now it's like with the Clintons and with the Trumps and with the Obamas and with, you know, Harry and Meghan Markle who are over here now, and they all have Netflix deals and they're all starting social media apps and they're all doing all this other weird, you know, bizarre shit. And you would never think that 
a person who was going out for a career in quote unquote public service would end up with a multi-million dollar Netflix deal and a podcast with Bruce Springsteen or whatever the hell that's, that people are doing nowadays, this weird stuff that's going on, but it's kind of become that. So I think, and this, I was talking to someone about this the other day is that um, actually a girl that I uh, is actually um, good uh, sister of one of my good friends uh, who's going into college recently. And I kind of told her that, you know, she's a very religious person. She's a Christian, but she was saying like, you know, now with, you know, everything going on, it's like, I told her politics is the new religion in America at this point, in my opinion, it is because, you know, religion has declined in a sense. I know you and I are both religious people and a lot of other people are religious people, but when people don't have that God value, they supplement, you know, either AOC or Donald Trump Jr. for their God type of thing, which is, I think, a very, very interesting thing that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I think like, I mean, definitely it's become kind of people's favorite politicians, kind of like they've re they're a celebrity in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's very interesting to see how like this, this role of like whatever senator, whoever, sometimes it's seen as kind of like a celebrity role and we kind of forget yeah, about yeah. the we forget about the public service aspect of that yeah role. oh yes for sure yeah absolutely and i think you know that yeah it's it's just so interesting man because you know you think about all these people it's like well when you look at the life of a the, the quote unquote again quote unquote the life of a politician it's very very boring like if you've ever looked like seriously looked into it i don't know if you have or not like it's like you're going to meetings all day and you're taught you're reading 500 page pieces of paper that were spit out by a computer by some person you don't even know from fucking rural Alaska or some shit. And they bring it to the, you know, they bring it to the, you know, the floor of whatever they talk about. And it's just kind of, it's like, it's theoretically supposed to be boring. So I think there's maybe like a little bit of an over an overcompensating for it too. They're like, oh my God, my job is so boring. But at the same time, people love it so much that I need to overcompensate in a way that I need to go, you know, off in a random rally in Omaha, Nebraska, and just say like, fuck the other side. I don't give a shit. They're trying to ruin your life, everything else, which is just, it's just not constructive at all in, in my, in my, I, I don't think, I don't think you would disagree with that, but it's, it's just kind of, people love it, but at the same time, is it helping things? It's, it's clearly not in my opinion, it's clearly not. Yeah. The vast politicization and the increase of politicization has meant that for these people to retain their power, they just, it's, it's kind of just become a, a pleasing competition can mm -hmm. i please my base and i think just to retain their power i think i think i'm comfortable saying this about the leadership of both parties in sure. order to to retain their power i think like they're for whatever reason whether they want to retain it because they think they can do something good with it whether because like whatever the reason they're kind of i think they're saying things that I'm not sure they actually truly believe in. I completely agree that with that. Yeah. They, they're kind of just saying things to please their base. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very destructive because now instead of politicians, instead of politicians responding to what their constituents are saying and either saying, yes, I agree for X reason or no, I disagree for Y reason. And as your representative, it's my responsibility to to at least acknowledge what you've said, but then do what I think is, I mean, I, you elected me as your representative. I'm representing yeah. you, right? Mm -hmm. 
rather than having this rural relationship, it's kind of people are people like their base has a view and these representatives are just echoing their base's views back to them yep. so that their base is happy, they stay in power. And then whatever happens to everyone else, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, right. And, and I think that it's, it is that it's just kind of like you, you have your tribe, you have your political party, you have your company, you have whatever, and you just kind of become so focused on getting that stuff, you know, ready to go and everything else that you just forget about, you know, hey, there might be some Republicans in this field that you need in, in your, there, there are certainly that you need to kind of at least make an attempt to, because you like it or not, they are, to your point, governing you. So it's like you have to like either make that attempt to form a relationship. And I think just the, such the the emphasis of loyalty to one particular thing, it can get destructive and taken to excess after a while. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot in terms of the um, just the like you said, the politis the over politicization of everything. It's just infecting all this other stuff. And we'll circle back to this later. But I actually I found something today that I want to run by you that I thought was very interesting. So I did something I never thought I would ever do this morning. I read an article out of New York Magazine this morning, out of New York Magazine. I never thought I would fucking read a thing, single thing out of that magazine, but I thought it was so hilariously interesting. And it was called a, um, I don't know what the specific name of the article was, but it was, the subject of the article was a quote unquote vibe shift. And I had never heard of that term ever before in my life. But so I, I read this art and I remember I was attracted to it because of the, the cover art and it was this like girl who kind of wanted to do like some Marilyn Monroe shit with her hair was all you know frizzed out. She was like smoking a cigarette, leaning on like a 20 year old, like sports car or some stuff. So I'm like, this is not trending on LinkedIn. This is, this should not be trending on LinkedIn. So I clicked on it and it was a New York magazine article. And so I scrolled, scrolled down or whatever. And I, the point of the article I thought was very interesting. So the guy was writing, who was writing it was an older millennial. So he was like 36 or something. He was writing for New York magazine. And so in his adult life, he said he had seen three, what he called vibe shifts. And what he defined a vibe shift as was a massive shift in the culture dramatically away from something else. Think about like, you know, you go over to your, and you know, think about it in, in this way. You go over to your, your grandparents' house, theoretically, and they ask you if you want to watch a movie on VHS. And you're like, well, grandma, VHS tapes don't exist anymore. We watch blue, we watch, uh, we get our movies off Amazon prime now. And she's like, no, you don't. And, she, and you're like, well, that's kind of the way the world works now. And then you I kind of get into like this, this boomer Gen Z conversation. You start like throwing shit at each other and whatever. But so he defined three of them from about, you know, 2003 to 2009. That was like the really like, um, I don't know, like arcade fire music was really, you know, that, that was that era where everyone was kind of like angry and pissed off, like all this, all this other stuff was, was really kind of teenage angst or whatever, that kind of era. Then from 2010 to 2016 was kind of another era in terms of like, you know, the like Daft Punk music and people getting all into techno stuff and dressing like they were in the matrix and shit and like futuristic stuff and everything like after social media became widely adopted and stuff. And 2016 to what he said was like the current moment right now was a lot of the really flamboyant personalities of, of political, whether it's, you know, Trump or Greta Thunberg or somebody like that and cancel culture and political polarization and everything. And the, the point of the whole thing was that he basically said with the pandemic exacerbating everything and with you know the Black Lives Matter riots and protests and the January 6th attack and everything, 
He said, at this point, the people who are controlling the culture, which is Gen Z, as of right now, like people you and I are our age, the people who are controlling the culture, he's like, these people are fucking done. Like they're done with this shit. They just don't want to do it anymore. So his prediction, it was, it's actually a very, very funny article. I was actually very impressed with the satire. And so the, the, the ending of the article was basically like, okay, these kids are burned out. They've had enough. And they're all just going to go out to pasture and become hippies again. That was basically the role of the article where it's like, they are done. It's kind of like, you know, and it reminds me actually of the end of the 1960s where you had just so much stuff going on with like, with race relations and like people were getting shot every five seconds and Vietnam was happening and all this other stuff. And so his point was kind of like, it's a similar apex now with like the whole shit that went on in Afghanistan and the January 6th attack and Black Lives Matter stuff and the election and Trump and Biden and all these people. And the people are con- who are controlling the culture, they're just like, we're not interested anymore. We're done. We're, we're, we're checking out. We're, we want to love each other. We don't want to do any of this stuff. I personally think, and that might have been tongue, tongue in cheek too, but I personally think that's a little too optimistic for me. I'm a cynic and I think you might be a cynic too. So I don't think we're going to go away that easily, but I wanted to get, um, to get your opinion on that, see if that had any validity whatsoever in your opinion. Um, I don't follow the, the, the pop culture and that that stuff too much. Right. But what I will say is like, from a historical perspective, is it possible that if two different generations are experiencing similar weights or similar burdens and they're both just burned out, is it possible that the later one repeats a similar thing to what the previous one did? I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think history, so. History, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> history repeats itself. I have, I mean, I have no idea what that, it might look different. Could it be like, essentially the same when you boil it down to what they're doing sure um but yeah that's essentially all i can comment on it is it's i think it could be possible that if this generation just doesn't want to do it anymore they kind of look and go ah look the hippies did that i mean hey look yeah i I think you would make a cool hippie not not gonna lie i think you (laughs) kind of have like the beard going on you have like the hair all the hair at the same length so if you want to go like i don't know if you could grow man grow an afro (laughs) if you grow your hair out or whatever that would be kind of cool but i think i think if we like i would be down to be a hippie i don't know if you'd be down to be a hippie i'd be fucking down to be a hippie <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to think about it. <laughs> I, I would say I don't. I don't I've, learned, I've learned how to do drugs and live out of Winnebago, but I probably that's another subject for another day. And so I would say pivoting back to where the conversation started. Then, so to get to a point where we can tolerate one another, we spoke from the vantage point of sanity and empathy. And you had mentioned the base level of sanity, in your opinion, and I want to clarify this as just the ability to have constructive dialogue with someone who you disagree with am i correct in that assertion yeah okay okay so yeah, I, go ahead yeah I, I specifically said like productive and civil but i yeah. think constructive implies both of those things so yeah okay okay so and in my opinion and i think you might actually share this that's a pretty fucking low bar for what we consider sanity nowadays. It's a really low, like, it's kind of like, can you talk to somebody is a pretty low bar for sanity in my opinion. So is, is, is it that, is it going to have to get that rudimentary for everybody to kind of, you know, get back to some point of normalization? And granted, I don't have enough experience to know like before, because 
my political life, I was eligible to vote in 2016. So I voted in the 2016 election. That's when all the craziness kind of started. So I did not know if it was quote unquote normal before this. Like I, I can reference my parents. I can reference people who are of age where they could have voted and participated in democracy, but I could not back in the time until 2016 when all the craziness started. But um, like, do you, do you think it's going to have to get that fundamental where you go to your, your progressive friend and go say, hey, smile at five conservatives in the grocery store today and then come back to me with your findings and see if you didn't explode and spontaneously combust on the spot. I, <laughs> um, maybe. Oh my God. Probably. I think, okay. I think the issue is like people have become fixated on the politicians. So everyone goes to whatever news source they go to and mm -hmm. who's on there constantly. It's whoever they decide to bring on. So prominent speakers, whoever guests that they wanna bring on to share their side of some story, that have some video that's gone viral now, um, or the politicians. So people have gotten, again, it's kind of the celebrity mindset. I think people have gotten so fixated on just looking at who is talking now, like who's the voice, who's the microphone. Mm. And I support them. So I'm just gonna keep listening to what they have to say. I think we've got, we've kind of forgotten that, like, I have neighbors, you have right. neighbors, Yes, we can, yes. we can talk to each other, you mm -hmm. know, and yep. especially because, because of the deep political, because of the deep political divides, it's kind of, I feel like people think that you, it's taboo to talk politics with anyone, especially people of the other. So there's oh, kind of also this. That. There's kind of also this um, this feeling of I shouldn't discuss politics or like this suppression of or I don't know if it's suppression necessarily, but just this feeling of it's I shouldn't talk politics yeah. with people of the dissenting opinion because either they're too dumb, either they don't understand, they have no empathy, it's a waste of time. So it's all these things that um, uh, that I don't, I'm blanking on the word, but like it's no, pushing people away. It's pushing people away from talking to each other. I think the resolution, I think a big resolution is that if people just talk to each other without, with just forget, forget what the politicians say, forget what yeah. your famous celebrity says, just forget all of it. Just talk to someone of why, like, what do you think about this? What do you think mm -hmm. about this? I think a lot of people will realize that there's more in common than differences. And mm -hmm. even if the, uh, even if there's more differences, there will be things that they agree with. And they, just the fact that they can recognize, yo, I agree with this person on something. That's a starting point that allows um, conversation to grow. I think when the people, I think when the people start having conversations with each other again, that's when, that's when we'll start seeing, that's when we'll start seeing this political divide gap. I don't think any politician or anyone can bridge this political divide. I think the people really, I think people really have to talk to and not be afraid to talk to someone else and to explore, you know, I want to understand why you believe this. Uh, and that person wants to understand why I believe this. Yeah. Being able to talk. I mean, people, people go to work and have meetings and talk and do all of that stuff perfectly fine. So there's mm -hmm. no reason 
that they shouldn't be able to do the same simply because someone just believes in a different political ideology. Sure. And I think I, I, I'm curious to get your opinion on this, too. And I hear the, the phrase a lot. And I'm guilty of using it way more than I probably should. But, you know, the quote unquote healing the political divide conversation. I do think that the, the, the madness needs to stop. Like we don't need people chucking Molotov cocktails into City Hall anymore and, you know, storming storm the Capitol building. We don't need any more of that shit. But it's like, you know, the, I do think that there needs to be somewhat of a political divide between people who are progressive in nature and conservative in nature, because I think it allows us to root out the bad ideas and elevate the good ideas, no matter what side of the aisle they fall on. I think conservatives, and it's like Batman and the Joker. Like there's this, there's this, the famous comic and you're much, I, I think you, I, I like comic books, but I think you like comic books probably more than I do, but there's this famous, uh, that could be very wrong. I actually never asked you that question before. I never, I never really read comics. Okay, so see, I was wrong. Okay, so you're gonna have to back check me this entire conversation, apparently. But um, so there's this, uh, there's this. Uh, it's the, the end of the end of the Dark Knight, right? The Christopher Nolan, the end of the Dark Knight. Yeah. When the Joker's hanging upside down, he's like, you know, I think you and I are destined to do this forever. An unstoppable force meets an immovable object, all that, all that sort of thing. And it is kind of necessary to have that. The the now I think it could be it's like to and we need it to not be Batman and the Joker where the Joker's blowing up buildings and you know shooting people in the water and all this other shit and Batman's you know flying around and beating people up and throwing SWAT teams out of buildings and shit but it needs to be kind of like a sports relationship where you have a football team playing one other football team one foot one team gets the better of the other team but there's no dead bodies there's no broken necks there's no nothing where it's like I want to you know severely hurt the other people but we allow the merits of the ideas and of the substance to rise to the top and the other side has the opportunity to learn from them and get better and work together. So I do think the quote unquote healing the political divide needs to happen from the fringe extreme ends, but I do think that iron does sharpen iron and you know to your point, I think we're much it, it's funny because I think you identify as a progressive, I identify as a pretty strong conservative and but the thing is, I don't think, like, I, I agree with a lot of, and maybe it's because a lot of my friends, including you, a lot of my friends are, are liberal progressives, and they kind of have all these ideas, and they've rubbed off on me over the years. But I'm a, I consider myself a very strong conservative, but I do, like, I love a lot of the stuff that a lot of some of the people on the left do say. Like I was saying earlier about the, the things I was reading, I read both of Andrew Yang's books the last couple of weeks, and I don't know what you think about him personally, and we don't have to get into that if you don't want to, but I like I agree with about 90% of what the guy has to say about everything. And it's so weird to me because it's like I on its on its face, like okay, you believe in all of these things that are so contrary to what I've been conditioned to believe as a person who thinks this way, but yet I agree with you in a lot of different ways. So I think it's so I, I'm curious what you think about, you know, there needs to be some divide, but it doesn't need to be like we're world war one soldiers digging trenches in the south of france and doing you know like you know shooting at each other and you know like whatever right yeah inherent political divide is like i mean i think political divide is inherent just in the nature of politics the second mm -hmm. you have two people who disagree on an idea i think that's good enough to qualify as political divide Oh, just simply just simply the fact that two people disagree there like there's a division there in the thought that's enough right. to qualify as a political okay. divide Fair. so in just people having different thoughts and different ways of how to approach things 
is going to cause is just in, in the nature of it is political division. What I think we're seeing today is people pushing that division and um, rather than it being a difference of ideas, just I believe in this, I believe we should do it this way. You believe we should do it this way. Rather than it just being that, now it's become, no, I identify with the way we do this. And that means that oh. I won't, I, that means I won't accept any other way because accepting another way means I reject my own identity. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's a huge issue. People, people, people have now identified with the minimum wage, the $15 minimum wage. Oh, that's so interesting. What happens now is if the actual, like the $15 minimum wage is a solution to a problem. Correct. There is a problem that the minimum wage addresses. So the minimum wage is not some like de facto axiom that we need to have in the, it's not like a bit, it's not like a right, right? Yeah. It's addressing, it's addressing a problem that we see in our society that we think the government has the, like at least people who believe we, they should increase the minimum wage, that the government has a responsibility to fix. Yeah. If the $15 minimum wage is not the best solution, right? There's maybe a different, better solution. People that believe that identify with the $15 minimum wage, they might reject it simply because it's not the $15 minimum wage. I think that's, I think that's what's happening. So rather than it being simply, I disagree with your idea, it's no, I identify with this idea, which means I must reject everything that's not it or else right. I reject my identity and I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, th this is, this is such an interesting point because when you know, when you strike at your, someone's identity, that hurts people, that hurts people a lot because like, so this is because, you know, and your identity to your point is not your political ideology. I've written about this a lot. Your political ideology is not your identity. It is a rather a dissemination of your value system of how you were raised of how, what you think about the world. It's not your skin color. Like it's not your gender. It's not your religion. It's not anything else. Like when you attack those things, that that hurts people because that is um that's racism that's sexism that's misogyny that's you know whatever it might be when you strike at that core of you know a person's being so so in from your vantage point that it makes no sense to from my perspective it makes no sense to absorb your identity into a political ideology because to your point earlier everything is so politicized that you're going to get hurt every day if you really take it, you know, too hard. Like that, your identity is going to get threatened every single day if you do that. Like you might encounter, like, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a straight white dude. So what do I know about this? I mean, I guess I get attacked for being, being a guy, being a straight white dude all the time. But like, if you're a black person per se, and someone calls you a racial slur, that's going to hurt your feelings a lot. But if you take your identi identity as a, a, either a, conservative or a liberal to that same depth in your soul and you see a Rachel Maddow segment on MSNBC and it attack like you're going to get attacked in that exact same way so so like like it's 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 just why would why would someone willingly put themselves in that type of a scenario where their identity can just be shattered in like two seconds if they view Tucker Carlson talking about the marginal tax rate or something on Fox News, like, you know, once at once every night or whatever it is. So what do you think is is behind people adopting that absolute or the 
absorption of their identity into their political ideology? What do you think is driving that? And that's a big question. But what do you think is driving that? I would, I would say that. There, so probably, I mean, whatever the hell is driving the political divide. So I don't know, politicians, celebrities, social media, bad actors, whoever that is. Yeah. I think there are, I definitely think, I don't know that I could necessarily list the forces, but I do think, like you said, there's forces that are just pulling people and telling you, probably the best example is just a lot of the, um, it, every time, okay, I've kind of just been like rambling, but no, every ahead. time, I love it. Every, every time, every time something happens. So like, um, especially in the pandemic with, um, this is something that's been brought up a lot, right? Companies have had record profits or have maintained profits, but sure. they haven't increased wages. They've laid off workers. So what that's going to do is uh, that, that hurt, that hurts people because like, right. Hey, I can't support my family anymore. Or I can't support them as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Well, now there are certain, there are people on one side that are saying corporations, good job, like no, or, or whatever. And there's yeah, like someone else. Shareholder value. Like, you know, yeah. Two thumbs there's, up, yeah. There's some, and then there's someone else on this political aisle who's a, an outspoken speaker going, no, corporations need to, like, should not, it's corporate greed and all of this stuff. And people take that to heart. They think that, okay, well, I, they start to, I, they start to um, align themselves with those beliefs. So, yes, we need to end corporate greed. That's like up to this point, it's fine. Something has affected you, so you adopt a political ideology that seeks to remedy your your situation. I think what happens is political factors and um, rhetoric, especially rhetoric by media outlets and all of that, seeks to infuse those ideologies with your with your identity. So people start saying things like, "Well." the conservatives like those people they don't want this they're they're, it's like i think i think that's what's happening is that rhetoric increased rhetoric of it's those like this group of people yeah this group of people believes these things well that group of people they start to associate beliefs with identity so they do the same to themselves Mm -hmm. like i guarantee like uh, people think about conservatives oh they're 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 white they're rich they're they don't like minorities they don't whatever mm-hmm. people start mm-hmm. associating those values and then beliefs associated with those values to the people and then well then what about what about you oh then they do the same to themselves i yeah. think so there's forces that are seeking to infuse ideologies with people's um identity when really there's, there's like you said, there is no reason. An ideology is exactly that. It's just an ideology. Could be yeah. right, could be right in one scenario, could be wrong in the other. It's just, what are you trying to do with your ideology? What's its goal? Yeah, and it's, it's that's a fantastic point because it's almost like it's dehumanizing a little bit when you say like, you know, something like, like what you do, the quote unquote, the those people. And like, you know, I, you know, thinking about it now, it's like when you say like, oh, the left, like the, like quote unquote, the left is such a blanket term for people. And I see it now with like the, um, 
you know, conservative commentators who just say like, oh, the, the, you know, the, the, the woke people, like the crazy lefties and, and, you know, woke culture is a severe problem, in my opinion, anti-woke culture on the conservative side is a severe problem too. We can talk about that later if you want to, but it's like when you just lump everybody who doesn't agree with you as some kind of radical Marxist leftist, you know, globalist corp, whatever you want to call it, like that's a severe problem because you are, you, you, you're taking them out to your point, you're taking them out of the barrel you're isolating them, planting them in another barrel that's completely separate from you, so you don't have to touch each other. And when you do touch each other, then there's friction, then there's problems. And that that kind of gets, you know, it's it's very interesting because so if I asked you kind of what the what the core principles that you align with are, and we talked about two of them earlier, like empathy and sanity, like we two we we value those very highly. And so like to you. What do you think being a, a progressive and a liberal is? Like, what do you think makes up that type of persona and outlook about something? And that, again, I'm asking you so many big questions today. So I appreciate you sticking on, not saying I'm not fucking doing this and you know, abandoning the Zoom like halfway through. But yeah, so like, what do, you, what do you think that is? If someone asked you, like, you know, if like you, some, you're, at a, you're at a furniture store, right? You're shopping for furniture. And you go to that lamp that's in the background and you say, what is this lamp made of? And the person that they might not be able to tell you, but they could look on the bottom and say, it's made of, you know, it's made out of aluminum and there's brass in here and there's light bulbs and they're made out of glass. And there's, you know, certain alloy in the filament and everything that lights up the lights. So what, what do you think the components of the liberal ethos are, if you had to distill them in a, in a couple of things, if you could possibly do that? So... I'm hesitant to answer that question for, sure, for two and you don't reasons. Have to. One, one is, I, I don't know that I can. Two, yeah. answering it would kind of go against what I've just said. So by associate, like, right, progressive C is, a, is a, again, it's an ideology. It seeks, it seeks to do X, Y, Z, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of just, progressives want to increase the minimum wage. They think that the social safety net should be increased, mm -hmm. right? We can talk about reasons why people might believe in those values, but again, those are just ideas. Those mm -hmm. are just seeking to increase the minimum wage, wanting the social safety net, um, uh, Medicare for all, right? Those are just simple ideas, simply ideas that people might believe in because of a numerous number of factors. Okay. To try and to try and put what like to try and associate a type of personality with those ideas, I think is kind of um, contradictory yeah, to what I've said sure. about, we should not associate right. personalities with ideas, right? Yeah, because- and, Okay, so if, if I can interject. So what I, would, what, yeah. I would, what I would say, and this is kind of the way that I view the difference between liberals and conservatives is the root of the words themselves. So liberal comes from the word liberate, which comes from the word liberty, which means freedom. Conservative comes from the word conserve, which comes from the word conservation, which means protect, stay the same. So in my estimation, the people on the political left, they want more change in society. They want Medicare, universal health care. They want a $15 minimum wage because people aren't getting that. And they believe that you know, in order to change something about the current institutional structure, that would result in a better life for people. Do you think that's a fair assertion? I think I think so. Yeah. Like if you look at it from the actual perspective of, like, what the words mean, 
I think so. So liberals want to to increase the amount of change in society, mm-hmm. whereas conservatives kind of want to preserve the status quo. I think I think that's fair. Yeah, because I, I saw a, a great quote from uh, from Dan Crouch, who's in some hot water over the over the uh, the Russia Ukraine stuff right now. But I'm, I'm citing it from an interview that he did with with our mutual friend Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about, you know, or maybe it wasn't with Jordan Peterson, it was with somebody else. And he basically said that you know being a conservative means that you're always you're you always are forced to play defense, which I think is a pretty accurate you know assertion because you know conservatives they they like see this thing. And they want to keep this thing mostly as this thing. And then here comes some, you know, a, a liberal person who wants to change the structure of that thing. And they're like, oh, whoa, 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 let's, let, let's talk about this. Let's, let's really not want to change this thing right away. Let's not jump, you know, headfirst into the, into the two foot deep kiddie pool. Like, let's, let, let's not do these things right off the bat. So I think that it's interesting that, you know, you and I identify as both as, you know, strictly on one side, strictly versus the other side, but yet, you know, we still are able, like, so I'll give an, I'll, I'll give a personal example and maybe I'm rambling now too, but so it's a common talking, and this is where I think conservatives are wrong. This is something I, where I learned from uh, Eric, Wein, Eric Weinstein about this. So conservatives are the party of quote unquote free markets, right? Like we love the free market. We love capitalism. We love all this other stuff. And Eric Weinstein made such a smart point about this. And so I have, this is one of my things that really kind of like, this is one of the things that shook me so bad. It's like, you know, holy shit, am I actually like like kind of like a, a lefty like am i really on the political left and so because i love capitalism and i love free markets and so free markets and capitalism are inherently a liberal thing and conservatives don't want to admit that because conservatives are the party of business and the party of money and the party of corporations and tra- traditionally all that stuff but when you look at a market of anything whether that's financial services whether that's a product whether that's you know bitcoin whatever it is Capitalism exists because people make products to destroy the old products, to make take something that was old and make it better and make it new and make it fresh and re- or rebrand it or do something else, which is inherently a what, you know, to your point, to our point about what makes di- liberals different from conservatives, it's inherently falls in the liberal bucket because, I mean, look at Silicon Valley. Who runs Silicon Valley? It's a bunch of lefties. It's a bunch of liberals, right? It's a bunch of people like Mark Zuckerberg and like, you know, Jack Dorsey and like all these other people. And then, you know, they bring in, so I think Zuckerberg's a perfect example because of the Peter Thiel thing up until recently, like Peter Thiel is an open Republican. Like I'm going to freeze my genes until I'm like fucking 3000 years old. Like he just left the Met board of Meta to fundraise for Republican, you know, congressional candidates or whatever it was. And so Zuckerberg created the company, but he got Peter Thiel in there to run it effectively and preserve the quality of what he created. So I always think that's very interesting. So it's funny that in my estimation, people can, you know, again, this might be an identity question. People can become so rooted in in identity that they can't call something like they see it. And it's kind of like, okay, that's an interesting observation, but I'm either leaning to the right or to the left or to the middle. So I can't say anything against that right or left or middle. Did that make any sense at all? I don't know if I just- Yeah, yeah. Or whatever, okay. I mean, like, from from my perspective, and this is something I thought about a lot. I almost got caught up in the in the notion. I almost got caught up in the like the getting your identity associated with a political value, mm-hmm. like a political ideology. But the more I thought about it, because I I thought a lot about, and this was kind of after I first met you, 
and I had someone to actually talk, talk I, I, to. I, I have a funny story about about our about you know our our origin of this, but go ahead and finish your story. So yeah, I'll tell it after you after this. The like one, I most of most of my friends were liberal, so they're all kind of pissed pissed that Trump won. So you were yeah. kind of the first. You were kind of the first conservative that voted for Trump in 2016 mm -hmm. um, that I could actually talk to and talk about why do you believe this? Why do you vote for him? And all of these things. Mm -hmm. And um, doing that, it kind of forced me to question uh, a lot of things. And then I started thinking about it more. So essentially what it boils down to is I've, I've come to realize that a lot of the beliefs that I have about education, about whatever, it's all because I believe that those ideas are the best solutions to problems that I see in society. So mm -hmm. I see, for example, that um, there's a lot there's a lot of people who are who get financially bankrupt or who are at risk of financial instability from simple medical medical mishaps or medical right emergencies. like you, 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 you just get cancer because you get you, cancer or you get like cancer yeah. you, you break your arm and you can't mm -hmm. work or whatever it's like mm -hmm. suddenly these things um make you put you in a position of becoming at risk of financial instability sure that to me is a huge issue yeah like that to, that yeah. to me is like i could go on for like an hour you have believe me we've yeah why why that's you why have, that is yeah. such an why that's an inherent issue mm -hmm. and to me there's multiple solutions right we can do nothing that that is that is a solution do nothing right Absolutely. we can leave it we can leave it up to the we can give it entirely we can put the entire burden on the government we can put the entire burden on corporations or we could do a mix so there's so many solutions i think and this is something that i'm still thinking about is but for for the time being i do think that some sort of universal health care is a better alternative than leaving it as is yeah or, sure so right so like that's why i believe in the in like universal health care yeah like a single a single payer system yeah single payer might, system yeah. so that's mm -hmm. that's something especially since like you know it works so well in other countries mm -hmm. um so it's just my observations of my observations of problems plus observations and experience and whatever lead me to think about uh, a solution so then i think okay i notice that you know i i agree with bernie on this and i agree with bernie on that and yeah. all of these things mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me so then it's like okay well i guess if i agree with him on all these things then this is then i lean toward more on this side right so but at the end of the day, like this is something that I that I really have grasped is that these are policies meant to address issues, right? Sure. Yeah. These policies that people propose may or may not be the best policies. But at the end of the day, we have to make our legislators have to vote and they're going to vote on either pass the policy, don't pass the policy. Correct. <clears throat> if and this is something that I've come to realize like very recently. I don't know why it took me so long to like realize this, but okay. after our after our conversations that and this is kind of why I I kind of salty or pissed off at all our senators and whatever. Our, 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 our ruling class our, basically. Our, yeah. Yeah. Is that when there's a problem and people propose a solution, and let's say you vote that the solution passes, no mm -hmm. matter what 
ideology it comes from, conservative, progressive, it doesn't matter. If it is, if it is demonstrably, if it is able to be demonstrably shown, so you can show that the new policy that's passed has not helped or has hindered or has made the situation worse, it is expected that the people who proposed the policy that passed should acknowledge its failure and either A, propose a new policy or B, vote for some other policy that yeah. may not be of their origin. That is what I think people are expected to do. Just because I believe single payer is the best system, if it turns out that single payer cannot be implemented properly, let's say just at the federal level, mm -hmm. it's, it can't be implemented properly at the federal level. It's making things worse or it's not helping. I would, it would be expected of me to acknowledge the single payer system healthcare failures and to do one of two things, either rewrite single payer healthcare to address its issues and mm -hmm. then propose the new legislation as a new policy or to accept someone else's policy and say, okay, my thing didn't work. I guess like if I can't come up with something better, we should try your way or go back to the old way until we can think of something new. And that's something mm -hmm. I've, I don't think I've ever, I haven't ever heard of or witnessed from legislators is that acceptance yeah. and rewrite. And that's, I think, that's, I think something that's a huge problem. And that's again, why I think people need people like just the constituents need to talk. If yeah. constituents talk, they will force their representatives to acknowledge or do whatever. Mm -hmm. it, becomes, uh, it becomes necessary for the representatives to now acknowledge what their constituents are saying to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, we talked about that a little bit last time when, you, when I said, you know, I basically like when uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff were running off in Georgia against Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, and I got into a conversation with my mother about this. And, you know, she, um, I come from a conservative, you come from, do you come from a primarily, or do your parents have the same ideology as you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. So we disagree on like minor things, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. It's kind of like, that's kind of the way I am with my parents. So you come from a predominantly liberal household. They come from a predominantly, uh, predominantly conservative household. So I, I was having a conversation with my mom when this was going on. This was shortly after I believe um, yeah, it was because I actually read about this in Andrew Yang's book this morning when I finished it. Um, when Biden was, to, or President Biden was declared the president, and then it, all the attention turned down to the Georgia runoffs that would determine the fate of the Congress and Senate and everything. And um, you know, my mom was was kind of you know talking about you know, hey, like you know, I, I really hope that you know um, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock don't win. I'm like, well, I sure as hell don't want Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue to win. And she's like, well. He's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, mom, they are, they're, they're, they're garbage. Like they're, they're, they're pieces of, they're garbage people. Like they're pieces of, like, I, I don't like them at all. And she's like, well, they're, they're Republican. We need them to win. And I'm like, no, like, no, 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 no. That, that, that is not a thing. We do not need that to, to, to happen and be, and be a thing at all. Because, you know, if, if we're succumbing to just that, again, it comes back to the identity issue, I think. Like if you identify as one thing versus another thing, you cannot discern and I'm not saying that I'm a fan of Raphael Warnock or John Ossoff because I'm not. But again, are we going to compromise something that I think is basically insider trading with that David Perdue and, and Kelly Leffler both did during uh, during the first, you know, the, the with with the first rollout with the COVID relief and everything? 
am I willing to compromise on that versus, you know, just saying that, you know, John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, bad, I do not want them to get in while elevating these people who are kind of quasi criminals to be representatives of, of a, a state government. I'm just not willing to do that. And I think, you know, and it goes back to kind of what I was, the story I was telling you, I can tell you the exact moment that you discovered that I was a devil worshiper. I remember the exact moment <laughs> when you saw that I, that, I, that I supported the big bad orange man. I remember the exact moment because we were in, so to give everyone context, we were in the hallway. So Natter and I were on the same floor of a dorm at Ohio State. We both went to Ohio State. Natter still is in a master's program at Ohio State right now. He's going to graduate in May. But we were on, we were on our dorm floor. We had just moved in. This is about, a, I, will, I think about a month in. And the, like something was going on, something was happening. And so I lived on the dumb, so it was like a hallway. I lived on the dumb far end of the hallway. So our hallway was a STEM learning community. So Natter's very smart. I'm not very smart in a lot of areas. Natter's very smart in like everything. So he's basically a genius. He's like a computer scientist. He coaches. I'm not a genius. Then elevate me that high. No, 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 no. no. You are much. You you are a smart person. So I'm going to say you're a smart person. It's my podcast. I get to do what I want. And so then <laughs> I get to. So basically, I was on the end of it because I was a sophomore and not a really smart STEM major. Natter was in the middle because he was a really good, really smart and a STEM major. So we were on a floor of basically very. This is not you, but mostly very sheltered, very introverted nerds for a better degree. Like a lot of people are just kind of like, you know, like they, they like to do like they were in math majors and like STEM majors. So science, technology, engineering and math majors. And that matters a math minor to elevate his status even further up on the hierarchy. So I remember I was walking in the hallway and you were, I was I think I was going like to get food or going to the elevator or some shit. And you were talking to our uh, female RA. We had a male and a female RA. Uh, the RA's name was Alex. And you were talking to Alex in the hallway. And I was either, I think I was coming back from getting food actually, because I stopped to have a conversation with you. Because when I'm hungry, I just make a beeline for the food and then I eat and then I come back and I do whatever. But I was, uh, you were talking to her about something. And then I forget what was, what the subject of the conversation was. It was so long ago. It was like, well, like I said, we said earlier, it was four and a half years ago at this point. But I remember I said something, I think, so you were you were talking about some kind of so maybe it was something that Trump said probably or something like that you were like really angry about it and you were kind of like confused or something like that and then I said like you know that I just blatantly disagreed with what you said and I really agree with what Trump said. <laughs> your face I will never forget your face when that happened you looked at me like I had fucking purple hair and I was like, just, like I literally well, like I turned into you were like like it was your your mental psyche of who I was and the person you thought I was just broke instantly. <laughs> And I will never forget that for as long as I live. But, you know, because we were, you know, we, we got to know each other a little bit at that point. We had never gotten, you know, to the depth of a friendship where we talk about things like that. But you were able to see that I indeed was Satan and that I could still, you could still be friends with Satan in some, in, in some, in some facets of that, which I thought was so funny. And I thought it was, um, I thought, I thought that was really interesting. So it's, it's, um, and, you know, it, here we are, we survived, right? So, I mean, it's not like we, you know, everything imploded. And so I actually, um, my my uh, my good friend, one of my best friends, uh, Hope Robinson. Uh, we were talking about a month ago over Facetime, and she's very similar to you. She's a very um, she's a very um, progressive person. You know, likes a lot of the liberal positions and a lot of things. Um, very you know inclusive, tolerant, all that thing. And she called me. She was so funny. I laughed my ass off when she told me this. He's like, Sam, you're you're my token conservative friend. Like I only have one of you, and I just say like, <laughs> yeah, and I just, and I remember because. You know, see, you know, so a token is like, you know, I, there it's like, you know, some, you know, some person who definitely should not be of a certain group that is in the certain group. And so she, I remember you said like, 
one time you were hanging out with a bunch of your friends and you were talking about, you know, like, you know, fuck the, fuck the Republicans. Like they're all evil, you know, greedy, whatever people. And you're like, you kind of stuck your hand up. You're like, well, I know this one person and he's not totally awful. So I, like, I know one person that is not that like, I, I don't think this narrative is all the way, it might be 99% true, but it's not hundred percent true. So I always, I, I always thought those are the two moments of our friendship where I was like, okay, like, like this, this can, this can work out because I thought those were insanely funny moments that I just thought that, you know, it was like, oh, I have a, I have one guy that I know that thinks this way. So it's like, it's not all the way like, you know, thing, whatever. So I thought that was really, really funny. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that's what I remember. I don't, I don't remember. Like it's, I remember later on in our, in our friendship or later on that year, just later on in 2017, but like the very, the early moments, I don't really remember that story. I do not remember that moment. I remember other times that oh, I, I remember like, it very vividly. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad one of us remembers it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I remember like, I do remember talking to you early on and being like, wait, what the heck? This guy voted for Trump. I, I don't understand. I don't. Um, like like, like re- relatively good person. Yeah. Likes do, likes, likes to do constructive things and then voted for Satan. I don't yeah. understand. Like two plus yeah, two does I not equal four. <laughs> yes. And then we had other conversations and I think I understand more now. And I think we both understand each other's positions now. Mm-hmm. And we've both, I think we've both grown in our, in our thought a lot. I agree. Um, and I, I was going to say, I, I hope I've had that effect on you as well. And I hope, you know, when you, if you have talked to other people who either think like me or think like you, you're able to kind of get some more nuance to your opinions and to your perspectives, because I definitely have. And so I think that's actually a, a gigantic benefit that I think people just miss out on so much when they just are so stuck in the quagmire of their own thoughts that they just don't get out and see the forest through the trees or, or whatever have you. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's, again, why I, why I emphasized earlier that I think people do need to talk and they need to approach, they need to approach people from the other, from the other side of the other political ideologies just forget whatever anyone else has told you just forget whatever bernie said or whatever trump said or whatever whoever said and just Mm. just ask the person like you would any other person like your family member whoever just why do you we just try and understand the person first because so like if i if i say liberal right there is an image that comes to your mind i say conservative yeah. There's an image that comes oh. to your mind. That's a problem because the things that we've been trying to teach little kids doesn't matter what people look like. Don't mm-hmm. judge people on what they look like. Suddenly, yeah. I have a figure of what a conservative looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see someone that looks like that. No, it's not up to me. Subconsciously, instant judge. Mm-hmm. It's they just, I have to be aware of that and then turn it off myself. Yeah. But there's, I, I'm, I'm not going to deny it. I see someone who looks like, again, that it's a problem that there's someone who looks like a conservative. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, dude. I, I, I see I someone. Was, yeah, go ahead. I see someone that looks like a conservative. Instant judge. I see someone that looks like someone from the extreme far left. Instant judge. Even though mm-hmm. my immediate assumptions on them can be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. No, dude, I, I was I was having this conversation with uh, with my dad last weekend because so in my one of my church groups that I belong to, so um, it was like the first time that I was able to like really because we broke we were in a like a larger group and then we kind of broke into smaller groups and this this person was not in my group 
but he was at like the table next to me. So I had a pretty good vantage point of what everyone in the room looked like, because like, okay, I can see like, you know, a couple of these tables, whatever. And again, you, you try to not make judgments about people. And to your point, like, this is why I think a lot of the stuff that's going on in the school system right now is just so destructive based on like either, you know, your skin color or your religion or where you come or your socioeconomic background or whatever. It's, it's bad stuff. And so, but you, you, to a certain degree, we all have, I hate the word unconscious bias, but with liberal and conservative, especially, I think there's definitely something there because we've been just beaten over the head with it for like the last like five years. And so I remember this kid, um, this kid came in and I live in Texas, I live in Austin, Texas, by the way, like this is free America. Like I live in free America down here. Like this is a very, very uh, red part of, even though I live in Austin, which Austin is, is way different than the rest of Texas. But, um, you know, so I see, and, but, you know, masks, no masks, no really, you know, COVID's basically over down here for a lot of a good portion of people, especially the people you're in, you're in ice age, which a lot of these people were. And so I will never like this guy, this, he was a, he was a guy's male walks in uh, and everyone's just kind of chilling out, you know, like sitting in, uh, we were in a, a school library uh, meeting together. And so this guy walks in just a massive mask on his face, big fucking COVID mask, big fucking juicy meaty COVID mask, like wrapped around his face sits right down to the person. He's two feet away from somebody, no one else wearing the mask at the table, but he is, he is standing firm. He's wearing the mask. He's doing the whole thing. And in my head, I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop, let, 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 like, take it off. No one else is wearing it. It's like, you know, and then I got all judgy and stuff. And I, and I was talking to my dad about it. I'm like, you know, this is so stupid. Like, I mean, it's, you know, he's probably that, like, He's got probably gotten jabbed by both Pfizer and Moderna like seven times already. Like his body is probably composed of like 40% of the molecules that make up the vaccine. Like why, why is he doing this? But my dad, he pulls me down to earth like he just like he does all the time. And he's like, Sam, it's, it's going to be a, probably a part of American society for at least the, the distant future, I would imagine. I, I think you probably agree on that. People who would want to wear, wear a mask or go and not you know, feel safe going somewhere with whatever. He's like, look, if he's not doing anything wrong, don't don't fucking judge the person and it's like i don't want to do that but at the same time it's so hard in some areas where you're just seeing somebody that just looks like either such a fucking cock or somebody that like look is like such a simp doing this or whatever and you're just like oh like do you have to be like this and then you're like yes because they're a person they can make their own decisions they deserve those rights and that dignity so i thought i thought that was a very um it's just so it's so funny how we come to those generalizations about people when we know literally nothing about I've never talked to this guy in my entire life never talked to him in my entire life and yet I can take his entire life apart in two seconds in my mind if I wanted to which is so bad of me to say but it's I think everyone feels those thoughts and I hope it's not just me so I'm actually very relieved to hear you say that to a degree yeah it's it's very it's very frustrating I mean because when when you start decomposing people to their beliefs again you do the same thing to yourself so you start constructing yourself mm -hmm. as with beliefs yeah and that's that's like part of the issue with why people identify as political ideologies which i don't really think again because in my opinion those they're just solutions to issues it doesn't make sense to identify with the solution yeah um so like that yeah it's it's a huge issue but the the fact that we can recognize it that's that's a plus because at least we're aware yeah. of, at least we're aware it's going on some people just they're not even aware that it's going on they mm -hmm. unconsciously judge people but they let those judgments come to fruition in their own thoughts so yeah. they don't they don't realize hey i shouldn't be doing this yeah right <laughs> yeah, yeah so just the fact that i mean 
I, I'm like I said, like I'm not gonna deny. I don't. There, when people, when there are people who who I see that just look like a conservative, and mm-hmm. that's just a doesn't it's even it shouldn't it shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense, but it, yeah. it does. Mm-hmm. When someone looks like a conservative, I immediately gets, I immediately judge them. Like it just happens, and then I have yeah. to tell myself, stop, mm-hmm. throw the thoughts away. You don't know the person. Those thoughts mean nothing. Yeah, right. If I see yeah. someone from the far, like, I mean, if I see someone that looks like they would be woke or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I, the same thing happens. I have to come pull myself back down to earth and be like, those thoughts right. are just, those thoughts mean nothing. Just mm-hmm. throw them away. Don't judge the person. So it's yep. very, it's something I think we definitely do need to remedy. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think that, you know, the one thing I, and I kind of want to, you know, maybe not close this, but kind of, you know, work towards closing with this. So um, I'm, I think I told you that like, I'm a Daily Wire member. I have, you know, I, I have access to all those, you know, the, that media, that content, everything else. And do you think, and I'll get expand on this point uh, in a little bit or in like in two seconds, actually, but like, do you, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, you and I can connect on common values, but it's just the interpretation of those values, kind of the secondary consequence of those values that we disagree on, which is the root of kind of the liberal versus conservative dynamic and most of the same people in the world. So do you think that we are right now past that point of unity in America, in the world, wherever? Because when I see people making these exclusively partisan outlets, whether that be the legacy media, which is dominated by more liberal people, the, the new media, which is dominated by a lot of more the conservative minds in the world. When I see people making overtly left-wing or right-wing movies, when I see them making overtly left-wing or right-wing you know, TV shows and all this other things specifically made for a certain type of consumer, like it's just when people, so like, you know, for example, again, like, you know, uh, with, with the, the Trump uh, social media app that's coming out, that's going to be specifically tailored. Probably it's, it says it's like quote unquote for everybody, but there's going to be no CNN workers that use, you know, the, the truth social, which is going to be president Trump's social media app. So when I see people making like parlor and rumble and the daily wire and truth social and all these pe- and all these people and the legacy media kind of really digging into the more left-wing narrative that i think is prevalent out there and hollywood digging more into it like is this going to get better do you think like are we, are we really past that point of kind of people having normal institutions to go to and everything else and we'll get to institutions in a second but are we past that or is there a way where we can kind of, or are we going to go to the point about like the quote unquote, the vibe shift where we all just run out into the flower fields and become hippies? Again, like we've, we've already discussed this, but there are, I think there are politicizing forces that just keep pushing people away from each other. I don't think those forces are going to go away anytime soon. I think those forces exist because people using them know they can capitalize on them. They can, Gain, they have something to gain by using those politicizing forces. So are we past the point of, um, are we past the point of unity? My, I ha- like my answer is no. And the reason I say this, I have to, I have to just say no, because if I say yes, if I say yes, we're the, past the point of unity, that means to me, that I have completely given up on everyone, right. every single, every single person 
in in the U.S. or wherever. Every single person. Let's just focus on the U.S. to make this easier. Yeah, I was gonna say we we, we don't want to go up to the, all the all the every, crazy people. Yeah. Every per that means if I think we're not past if I think we're past the point of unity, it means that for every person out there in the U.S., I have given up. I. I've given up on that person. I don't think that there's any way that th that that person can ever make amends or can ever be friends with or can ever have the same type of relationship that you and I have with someone on the other side. That's that, I'm I'm kind of characterizing everyone as you are unable to you're unable to be friends with literally anyone who doesn't believe the same as you. Yeah. That, to me, that's like inherently that's inherently bad. Yeah. Like to, right. To be so to be so restrictive that everyone else can't. I must reject everyone else. Yeah. I can't be. I can't united. I can't be united with them. Yeah. I can't. I can't accept that. I cannot accept that premise. Yeah. Because so you, to me, then you then you'd be giving up the whole hope of uh, of ever things ever getting better. Yes. Yeah. So to me, I think, I think it's gonna be. I think it'd be very hard. I think it would take a lot of effort to oppose these very strong politicizing and dividing forces. But I do believe that if people just really just talk to each other, I think people can realize that there's a lot more that we have in common than that we disagree on. I think if we were to ask, if you were to randomly sample conservatives and randomly sample liberals or left or right or whatever, I think if you were to ask them, do you want a country in which you are able to support your family? Everyone would say yes. Do you want yeah. a country in which you are free? Everyone would say yes. Do you want a country in which your, your children can grow up healthy without having to worry about, um, without having to worry about diseases killing them? I think everyone would say yes. If you, do you want your children to get the best education, top world education? Everyone would say yes. All these things that, I think everyone would fundamentally agree on, uh, but we, it's never talked about, you never hear people talking about how can we get, how can we get education in this country to be the best that it can be for everyone? It's yeah. always conservatives are taking over the education. They don't want to put, they're destroying the history. Yeah. Liberals yeah. are trying to put, liberals are trying to brainwash your children. Mm -hmm. It's always, yeah my education system is better than yours. My education values are better than yours. Rather than no, how can we make an education system that prioritizes the future of our children over everything else? Yeah. There's a lot of things that I think that people don't, may not realize that they agree with people on the other side from. So mm -hmm. I think I don't, again, I can't accept that we're past the point of unity or else I'd be giving up on everyone. I don't think that, I don't think that we're to that point yet. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. I, I, I'd say yeah. so. So I do think, I think it would take an immense amount of force, an immense amount of effort, um, an immense amount of uh, determination from people like you and I who do want to see things become better. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I don't think we are past the point of unity. So this might be a more interesting question and a more pointed question. So are we past the point of proper institutional functionality? What do you mean by institutional functionality? Like, like, like are, are we past the point of the government working at this point? Like, are we past the point of like the current 
system of you know it's it's so it's it's i think this was i don't know who this was that, that said this but it's like uh, someone made a great analogy once of like they're trying to run the modern day space program off what they ran the space program back in the 1960s it's like it's just a legacy and i'm not talking about or maybe i am I, i'm not I, I would prefer not to overhaul the government but like you know everything you know institute like nothing people go into government nothing really changes a lot of people you know we want to we all agree that the thing is broken right that this is a thing it is broken but is it a possibility if we can fix that thing in the institutions that hold it up so i think i think we can i think okay. we can i think so I'll, let me try and i'll try and be brief sure Essen essentially we like when i vote for a representative I'm voting because I believe that they will carry my beliefs. I believe in what they what they believe in, and they will carry those beliefs and represent them in Congress, right? In let's say they're a senator, they are one out of a hundred, right? They right. hold one percent of the voting power yeah. in the Senate. Yeah, they're right. getting the House, right? That's a, that's if they're a senator. That's lucky, the Rick is right. The House is larger. So yeah. at best, they hold 1% of just a segment of Congress. Mm -hmm. To believe that one person has the power to overhaul all these issues is kind of insane. Yeah. yeah. So I think the only way we can start moving down the right path is if we have better representatives. So I think two things need to happen. One, I think people, there are very qualified people i think who are afraid either because of the campaign financing issues or they don't they feel like they would be risking their values as we talked about earlier on this path. yeah yeah they're afraid but i think these people need to need to not be paralyzed by fear and to at least try at least yeah. try to make it while holding on to their values while getting through these obstacles these, I think these people need to step up to the leadership position because right now, like, I think a lot of people can agree we're voting for, we're voting against and not for. Yeah. We're, yeah. I, I'm voting against Trump. I'm voting against Biden or against, that's yeah. not right. Whoever, whoever, whatever it is. That's right? not how this system was designed to function. You're voting for someone, not against someone. Mm -hmm. So we need yeah. people who we need people who we can vote for. I just realized I said I would be brief, but I'm not. Um, no, go ahead. So, um, we need people who we can vote for too. Again, this goes back to the point of people talking. If people talk to each other, they might be able to, they, while they may not agree on the beliefs, they might agree on what a representative should do. That oh. will challenge the notion of representatives. That, yeah. will challenge, that will challenge the current representatives to prove that they are that they are the right person to be representing both these views to sure. take into account what's best. When we get those people elected, I think we can start getting changed because again, at some point, a policy is either going to be passed or it's not. That's the way yeah. that's the way it works. Nothing is going to go your way constantly. Mm -hmm. But the the expectation and this is another thing that when people talk they can raise the expectation of their representatives the expectation is that representatives should do it's what they believe is in the best interest of the people if yeah. they do something that turns out right 
that the in the posterior in reflection turns out not to be the best they should work to either reverse the policy or to improve it that's yeah. something that i think that if we can get those two things if we can start voting for people rather than against and if our representatives start working toward start really working towards solutions rather than just passing policies yeah then i think we can get to proper institutional function again it takes a, it'll take a lot of work over many years mm -hmm. but i think it is i think it is possible and i agree with you and i think you know something you you really you said earlier that i that i've been thinking about a lot recently i think the fear element is slowly but surely starting to go away and i i don't want to be overconfident in that but i do think that the the fear element is start to starting to recede at least a little bit because you see people that are, you know, what, and I, obviously I'm, I'm on the political right. So I see more right-leaning stuff, but I see like people like Michelle Tafoya leaving her job at NBC sports to go work on a political campaign to, you know, do stuff with education to do, you know, other things in terms of, you know, people sacrificing their careers, people sacrificing their livelihoods, doing all these other things when they just said like, enough is enough. I want to at least make my voice heard or an attempt to get this thing, whatever it is, changed. So I, so I do think that that is a reason to be hopeful for a lot of people, whether you agree with that person or not, that people are willing to not stay on the sidelines anymore and are willing to kind of go forward with, and I think, and I, you know, hope that this, um, that this podcast, this one in particular is, is encouraging of people to do that. And, and like, it, even though like only probably three and a half people listen to this thing, you know, it's going to be like, if, you know, that for those three and a half people see this and they're like, look, I'm kind of either, you know, I'm putting this out there knowing that anybody from my work, from my family, from wherever can see this and say like, holy shit, ideas like, can spread. Yeah. Right. And, you know, but, and they can also like, they can judge you for this. Like, you know, if someone, if someone at my work, who's like some, radical you know lefty person who wants to pay play whack the whack a conservative type of thing at the, at the local dave and busters then they can crush me if they probably wanted to i hope they don't but they probably could but um you know i i just you know i think doing things even as simple as you know hopping on to to talk with people about this i think it's it, it's a step in the right direction I, so i do think that the fear element is going away it's a hard hurdle to overcome but i do think it's going away and so which is a good thing i think and i think you think so as well and I think the last question, I, I know we're kind of going, going a little bit long here, but the last question I wanted to ask, and it's, it's a simple question. So what is the vantage point? And this, we, we may have already talked about this in abstract. What is the vantage point that both you and I see that not a lot of other people are seeing that are preventing people from talking about this kind of stuff? And what is the kind of thing to, you know, weed out the crazies and say, okay, let's at least just talk. And if one side wins, fine. But if another side wins occasionally, that's fine too. Is it the identity issue is it the is it the sanity issue what, what do you think it is and what do you think that we can do to encourage less of that and more of the opposite thing identity and sanity uh, those two things definitely are i think are the the crux of it mm -hmm. people people identify with their political beliefs so they're they're afraid like the second that happens they're ch having their ideologies challenged is, is, is tantamount to challenging their identity. I think once people start being challenged that way, they realize that their political ideology is not their identity. I think that's something that, that might happen because that's right. something that definitely like happened to me. Like I almost identified, like had the political ideology as my identity. 
Sure. But talking with you kind of like stopped that from happening. Well, thank. Um, well, I, I was saying, yeah. I hope that's. I hope that's good. <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, I um, hope it's a good thing. Sanity, sanity is a big one. I mean, I, I think I kind of lucked out that I met you and we could have these conversations because. Well, thank you. Because, here's I, I'm telling I, I'm I'm guessing this is what would have happened had I not met you and I think. Um, but you, you know, Aaron and Alex, both of them tend yeah. to be conservative and I've had conversations with them. So I don't think it would have completely gone this way, but without having a conservative or knowing a conservative person that I can, you know, go talk to about these political issues. It's kind of very hard for me to go up to like someone that I know and just be, Hey, you want to talk politics? I don't think many people would be comfortable yeah. doing that, mm -hmm. um, because of stigma and whatever, mm -hmm. um, but because of that, people who don't have conservative or liberal friends or just someone to challenge their viewpoints, people who don't have that kind of tend to see everyone from the other side as being insane, yeah. using our definition. They view everyone as insane and they're afraid to go because they think that, it, like, why, why would I try? Everyone over there is insane. Yeah. I can't have a, I can't, I can't have um, productive discourse with them. So I'm not mm -hmm. gonna try. I'm hoping, I, I mean, like, I would hope that our conversation shows that that statement isn't true, that it is possible to, that there are people, there are people from the other side, no matter what side you're on, that are, that are willing to have and are wanting to, they're willing to, and can engage in productive discourse. So stop, once people do it, I think once people do it once, like if someone could have a conversation like you and I do once, I think their entire um, viewpoint about the other side, it would be shattered. Yeah, I think so too. The hardest part of anything is uh, is starting something, I think. And yeah. once you start something, it's uh, it's easy to go away. So it's easy to uh, ameliorate the rest of it. So Nader, man, thanks for coming on. That was uh, that was excellent. I hope you, I, that was fun. I hope you had fun. So um, yeah, thanks for hopping on, man. That was That was awesome. Yeah, of course. As you know, I always love these conversations. You're like, like probably, aside from my dad, you're probably like one of the, I think you are the only, the only other person I can talk to about these, these things. So having, especially being someone on the other side who can constantly challenge my viewpoints and beliefs, it's always good because then it keeps me, keeps me sharp and lets us both work towards something I think we both believe in. Well, I'm honored, good sir. So uh, don't log off about the, uh, after this. I'm just going to stop the recording. So um, Nader Zidane, everybody. So next week, new episode. In the meantime, can you dig it? I can. Own the day. Open your mind. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Hopping, stopping, hopping like a rabbit. When I take the Nina Ross, you know I got to have it. I lay back in the cut, retain myself. Think about the shit and I think it well. How can I mix my grip? And how should I make that nigga straight?